Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the ninth ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great. I'm, I'm not, like, stupendous, but I'm, do, I'm doing pretty good. I'm still great because I'm alive and I'm doing the podcast with my boys. So That's good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great still, but... Well... I'm doing great because we have a exciting episode, as usual. Um, we're going to talk about a disappointing but interesting game against Georgia. We'll break that down. Um, we got some really good recruiting news. But first, I have a bone to pick with producer Cameron. Uh, heck yeah. Because we, once again, entered into a mini golf tournament last night. At Funacre in Springfield, and I think he sandbagged me because um, we both finished in the top ten. Uh, I won't say out of how many. You can use your imagination, um, but <laughs> my goal, my secondary goal, was just to beat Cameron, beat producer Cameron, because we're competitive like that. That was also my secondary goal was. Sure. But we were not paired together. We were in separate groupings because friends were not supposed to putt in the same group. Is this an individual performance? Yes. Okay. Four rounds of stroke play. Okay. So it was just straight up best score after four rounds wins. And uh, they paid three places. We were not in the top three. But um, after three rounds, I was ahead of you by... Four strokes. And... As we were finishing up, we had to kind of skip around on the last round because there was a big group of like looked like high school or college girls that like took forever. So we jumped around from hole to hole to finish up. As we were finishing, Cameron said he was doing really well. Now, before we even did the final round, he said he was coming for me. And I was supposed to be intimidated by that. But yeah, boy. then right at the end, <laughs> uh, he said he was doing well and I hadn't really figured out my score. And I thought, oh, I'm doing pretty well. I shot a 44 on the final round, which was my best round of the night, six under par. And Cameron comes sauntering over to me when we were done. And uh, I foolishly said, I don't think you caught me. (laughs) And he said, what did you score? And I said, 44. And he said, and I quote, I caught you by one. Because he scored a 39 in his fourth round. Best you game I've ever... And you didn't win or get paid? That's like a fantastic score. Well, I, yeah. I tanked on my third round. Uh, That's why he oh. was sandbagging because his third round was in the 50s. So he was like making me feel all safe. No, that Kyle, was That was that my was best a, round by four strokes ever. And it was not the best round of the tournament by six strokes. Yeah, someone shot a 33. And that's kid, exactly okay. why I had no interest. So, <laughs> to put it in perspective, me and Karen finished 15 and 16 under par for the whole four rounds. The winner shot 53 under par. Yeah. But the gap between, we were like second, top of the second tier. Yeah. That I was still from sixth to fifth place was 16 strokes. Yeah. So you finished sixth. Yeah. So the, yeah, How long the, did the that take five, you? Uh, Do the course three, three hours. Four times? Yeah, three hours. The first three actually went really quick because there was no really nobody else on the course. Then that one big group kind of slowed down mm. the rest of it. But yeah, three hours. And 
the top five were actually pretty close and all had really good scores. Um, you may have heard of him, Don Luzader. Shout out to Don. He's mm. really good at mini golf. Yeah, he I've won the Funacre Open that we mm. did previously. Um, and he, I think he got second in this one. But the winner averaged 37 mm. per round. That's nuts. That's yeah. That's got to be at least like three or four hole-in-ones every time. Yeah. Yeah, I had four in my round that I wow. shot a 39. Well, I'm still proud of you guys. Well, yeah. Well, it was really fun. Um, it was. It is actually fun putting with some of these guys that are really, really good because you pick up a few things that you're like, oh, yeah. I never thought about playing this hole like that. Yeah, I was paired with Don, so mm. I was trying to learn everything I could from the way he yeah. shot. Real recognizes real. Oh, yeah. It was really fun, though. Highly recommend um, mini golf tournaments wherever your mini golf, <laughs> uh, local mini golf course is. Talk to your local mini golf course yeah oh and i wanted to mention that this tournament even though i'll go ahead and admit it only 10 people showed up <laughs> we're gonna assume we're gonna assume that these are the 10 best in springfield at the springfield area because some people came from branson but it was called the missouri putting championship so if anybody asks <laughs> if anybody asks producer cameron got sixth i think i got i tied for seventh seventh in the missouri putting championship that sounds very prestigious yeah <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Producer Cameron? Nah, that pretty much covered it. Okay. So uh, I guess come we'll back. just jump into the news. Yeah, come back. We'll jump into the news. Big news up top. Mario McKinney, Hoodie Rio himself, he's staying home, staying in Missouri. He committed to the Missouri Tigers. Yep. We've, uh, you know, we've, we've seen that probably coming for a while, but uh, it's official now. And we've hoped that was going to happen for a while, but when it came down to it, we we knew it was probably going to be Missouri, but it's still exciting. Yeah, when you put it all together, I was kind of putting everything together in my head, and he did not take any other official visits. He had taken many unofficial visits. It just, that, that alone, him not taking any other official visits before his commitment date, Mm-hmm. just kind of exactly was the last thing that just made me think okay this is this is looking good mm-hmm. so what's mizzou getting in mario mckinney well i think i said on the very first episode of this podcast that he could turn into a middle class man's Devonte graham so you think he can shoot that well maybe i don't know he's I think he's the prototypical Conzo Martin recruit, though. Um, If you're listening to this, you've probably seen that a few other places, but he will fit well in this positionless basketball that they want to run, having two ball handlers on the floor. He's probably not as good of a point guard as you'd like out of your primary ball handler, but a guy that can play the two and still help out bringing the ball up and good enough ball control to drive to the basket. Um, Obviously, like you alluded to, he needs to work on his shooting, get more consistent there. But um, I think that's common of a lot of high school recruits, and that is something that you can teach with the right shooting coaching. So um, I wouldn't – and I, he's not going to be – well, it kind of sucks that we're going to have to wait a whole year. It seems like we've been waiting and waiting for him to commit since he was a sophomore in high school. We just kind of expected him to go to Missouri. So – and we still have another year before he'll be starting practices with the team. So, 
Yeah, he may he may not come in as the most polished offensive player, but definitely seems to have kind of a relentless junkyard dog style where he's gonna just wear you down defensively and athletically. Super athletic. And uh, there, I think there's always gonna be a, a role for that kind of player on Conzo Martin's team. Yeah, I mean, at the college level, I could see him easily being able to switch one through three kind on Swiss defense. Army knife. Yeah, and he's always gonna bring effort. It seems like, and all of his. His AAU coach, high school coach, they always talk about just the intensity and effort that he brings, and that's definitely something Conzo would be looking at. So mm-hmm. um, it took a while yesterday. We had to wait wait out a soccer game, but uh, that was kind of funny seeing all the um, Mizzou beat writers on Twitter yeah. kind of admit it. You were all sitting there refreshing Twitter yeah, for we, an hour. Yeah, my thumb just got like we sore. Were. Got tired. It was actually really funny seeing EJ Liddell's tweets regarding Mario's oh, yeah. decision. He was getting impatient himself and tweeting at him like, come on, what are you doing? And then at one point, he, when the tweet came out about him finishing a soccer game, EJ just said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and so Yeah, it's funny. Well, I think uh, I'm excited about Mario McKinney and, and what he uh, could bring to the table. I'm also really excited. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that Mario McKinney's an afterthought by any stretch of the imagination. But I think what I'm maybe most excited about Mario McKinney is that he is, might be the you know the kind of the first domino to help us unlock St. Louis a little bit. So speaking of Mr. EJ Liddell, he's uh, it hasn't been officially reported um, by some of the Mizzou re- beat, uh, reporters and stuff like that, but it is strong strongly rumored that. EJ is going to announce his college decision on October 1st, which would be before our next podcast. Yeah. Um, so that'd be Monday. And I, that kind of goes right in line with what we've been saying for a while. Like once he moved up his Illinois visit and canceled his other two visits, as we kind of figured, I said the very beginning of October at the latest, and that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen a lot of people lately kind of maybe hedging their bets on EJ to Mizzou. Um, you talked about Mario sort of being the first domino that could lead to other recruiting successes. I don't know exactly where people are seeing a difference between now and a month ago even, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see where EJ goes because it seems like kind of on the national level, people think he's going to Ohio State, and obviously Ohio State probably has the bigger brand of the three schools involved, and um, Chris Holtman did a really good job in his first year and has established a good relationship with EJ and his family. I wouldn't be shocked to see it. Um, I think it's either there or Mizzou, to be honest, and uh, I think Mizzou people think they're getting him and I think Illinois people think they're getting him. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. This is super anecdotal, but just looking at Twitter sometimes in the replies of these recruits and you have literally dozens, if not hundreds of fan accounts tweeting at these guys in the replies of every single tweet that they send out, just M I Z or doing blue and, um, orange Illinois colors and, Buckeye stuff every single time. And I did think it was kind of interesting that with Mario McKinney, you only saw Mizzou stuff in his mentions. (laughs) Only Mizzou. And with EJ, you see plenty of Illinois and Ohio State stuff. He's retweeting um, Illinois and Ohio State stuff, talking about on his Instagram, everything like that. He's He has been... It reminds me a little bit of Courtney Ramey's recruitment in that we have no idea 
I mean, he has not hinted anything. I mean, when it comes down to these three schools, obviously mm-hmm. when it was at five, that's a pretty big hint when he cancels mm-hmm. visits. But um, as far as narrowing it down from these three, I don't see any way you could honestly think that you have a good idea. Anybody has a good mm-hmm. idea. I mean, um, the crystal ball on 247 says, I think like 77% to Ohio State. And I don't know if this adds up, but Missouri and Illinois at 11 each. So, yeah, reading the social media tea leaves is is difficult when in this case, definitely. Because, um, <clears throat> like you mentioned, there's, you know, so much influence coming from all three directions. Um, I think that Mizzou fans maybe can cling on to a couple of tiny little things. Um, I know EJ's dad, I think, wants him to go to Mizzou. He tweeted something recently about Conzo Martin, you know, having some of the most draft picks, you know, in the last five years or something like that. Basically some kind of uh, success record for Conzo Martin and draft picks recently. And then it was then deleted after he posted it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You certainly have to like uh, EJ's relationship with Mario McKinney. Seems like they're pretty tight. I know we've talked a lot about the package deal. I definitely don't think that's a thing, but I certainly think that that relationship can't hurt. If, I mean, if I'm a high school kid, wh- why would you want to play for anybody other than Conto Martin? Oh, yeah. You know, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, a lot of schools are going to say that about their coach. But, True. Um, I said pretty early on when they hired him, uh, he was not at the top of my list. We're getting kind of off on a tangent here, but he was not at the top of my list for uh, the next Missouri coach when that coaching search was happening. But regardless of the porters coming with him or anything like that, take all of that out of the equation. Looking back now, I, I would choose him. I would want them to hire him again over anybody else that was being considered at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd put myself in the exact same boat as what you described. He wasn't my first pick, but looking back, I'm so glad that, that we got him. And maybe I'm just a biased Mizzou fan, but it certainly seems like we've got a, a true uh, man of character and yeah. just a, an excellent recruiter and, and role model for some of these these young guys. Right. And it, it seemed, I don't know, I just, he's only coached there a year and he's one of the my favorite coaches of any team that I've ever followed that quickly mm-hmm. and if if you're wanting to be a basketball coach producer Cameron and I have coached kids basketball and I think any coach at any level could look at what he does and how he runs his program and try to model their program whatever it is even if it's just like a business you know if you're a boss you could look at his leadership and sort of try to mold it after him and you wouldn't be you'd be doing a good job if you could mm-hmm. yeah but, i agree i mean you talked about him sort of unlocking st louis with mario and i think you know torrence watson and mario both being on the roster and xavier pinson not obviously not being from st louis but m- making friends very quickly with a lot of these st louis kids mm-hmm. um Mark Smith isn't a St. Louis guy, but he's kind of an Illinois guy that right. might help pull EJ and, and of course, Javon Pickett as yeah. well. Did you and, mention uh, him? No. Okay. But, uh, and Jeremiah Tillman mm-hmm. um, being on the Illinois side of things. So. Yeah. so you can certainly draw conclusions as to why it makes sense for EJ to Mizzou because there's seem seemingly so many connections and 
and, and friends and relationships. It would seem incredibly strange to me. It would be super surprising for him to pick Illinois at this I th- point. I think so, too. I be- think it's Mizzou or Ohio State. I'd be honestly shocked to see anything otherwise. If, Miz- if this was not a Missouri recruit, obviously we wouldn't be talking about him. But if this was like, if we were talking about um, him going to Kansas or, or not, not Kansas, but let's say like a Iowa or Illinois or Ohio State, then I would think that Illinois was right there with the other two. But the fact that Illinois and Missouri right now, Missouri has just dominated Illinois in recruiting and literally taken players, disgruntled players from yep. their team. So I just can't yeah. see. I mean, it seems at the, like at the same time, uh, Torrance Watson was committed to Ohio State and then mm-hmm. flipped to Missouri. So there's <laughs> both sides, both schools have players that were seriously involved with those programs and are now Missouri Tigers. So basically what we're saying is make the right choice the first time, EJ. And because you're probably going to, you're going to end up at Mizzou before it's all said and done anyway. So just like everybody else. So might as well just pick them to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. So we will be, um, I wish hopefully before the first, we get official word that he's making his decision on that day because yeah i don't think it's actually been like officially confirmed i don't want to be like checking social media all day and it not even be (laughs) happening so yeah um another is that all you got for recruiting for now Mm -hmm. anything else you want to say about recruiting basketball yeah yeah um one more uh basketball piece of news is that basketball practice has started so we are that much closer to seeing Torrance Watson start his freshman season, seeing John T. Porter and Jeremiah Tillman back for their sophomore seasons. Um, I know it's the middle of football season, but I absolutely love seeing videos and pictures that the Mizzou social media teams are posting of these practices and just seeing guys that just look a year older almost. I mean, it hasn't been a year since we've seen them, but they do look older, more mature. Some of them have a few more tattoos, so... That just yeah. means we're that much closer to real basketball again. Yep, it's exciting, certainly is. And uh, I don't know how I feel about Mizzou squad yet. Um, I don't want to get too excited, but I certainly, I certainly am ex- excited though about the year. It's going to yeah, be super well, fun. I think. I think we're kind of outliers because we were excited for each new season under uh, the previous regime as True. well, coming off of single digit win seasons. So naturally we're going to be excited so hopefully the rest of the fan base is as well i I think i just like the landscape of college basketball overall probably the best like just with the fact that anybody can can win and and do well and it's not like college football where there's like four teams that could win the national championship like in the whole league and we especially love uh, college basketball officiating the best best (laughs) officials of any sport ever absolutely (laughs) um so and you've got some football news for us yeah, just a quick thing um, that Chris Sheeran, he's a current uh, Mizzou football commit. I think uh, he's a cornerback. Uh, he tweeted something earlier today that um, there may be some good news on the horizon as far as football recruiting goes. So uh, keep your, your eyes open for that over the next week or so. Yeah, uh, everything that we've been seeing lately from Mizzou football recruiting has been good news. Mm-hmm. So I also uh, read today um on powermazoo.com that uh jelani williams who in my opinion is kind of our prize recruit right now i know marcus uh washington is is huge but jelani williams is also maybe uh, a big a recruit in the biggest area of need he 
has a final three of LSU, Mizzou, and Alabama. He had he's already taken his his visits to LSU and Mizzou, and he just canceled his visit to Alabama. So uh, I don't know if it was on his end or their end, but right. either way, he will not be taking that visit to Alabama that he was uh, that he had coming up. So a final that final three is really scary as a Mizzou fan. Mm-hmm. So so. Yeah, I'm assuming that his LSU offer is committable. I don't know. Um, but I hope he ends up Mizzou. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all I have for news this week. Um, so we will get into a recap of Missouri's game against Georgia. And what a game. Um, obviously, the most frustrating game of the season so far, Missouri's first loss. It was pretty random at times and frustrating in that it seemed like Missouri was every bit a team that could compete with Georgia and just too many weird things, too many crazy, Mm -hmm. unbelievably detrimental mistakes Mm -hmm. crept up and it ended up just not being a game that Missouri could pull off. Yeah, definitely moments of encouragement and moments of heart-wrenching defeat and just overall question mark moments. Yes. So many of those. So some a lot of those mistakes were Missouri's fault. Shouldn't have put themselves in the position to even make the refs have to make a call. And some of them, I think, were just flat out probably bad calls on the refs' part. So, um, yeah, lots to unpack here. But it was a very strange game, I'll agree. Yeah, so I'll just kind of run through a, little, a timeline of events, sort of like we did with the, with the Purdue recap last week. And then we'll uh, touch on some of the most important things. So um, everything started out great. Um, Missouri picked off Jake Fromm to start the game, Georgia's first offensive possession. Um, obviously, everybody was ecstatic about that. And then offense comes right, comes out and starts marching down the field. Um, Tyler Beatty gets a 25-yard uh, catch and run at the very beginning. And um, this is as good a time as any to talk about him for a sec. He, I saw on Twitter earlier that he is number one in the SEC for freshmen as far as all-purpose yards per game and sixth in the country for freshmen, wow. all-purpose yards per game. So he's def- – and he's not – I mean, he's sharing the backfield with two other guys, so he's making the most of every t- moment he's out on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys might have seen on my Twitter account um, after maybe at the end of the game I – posted a few things that were you know kind of didn't go our way and if they might have gone our way they might have been a completely different game there's a lot of those moments in this game but one of those things that kind of stood out to me was Tyler Beatty on this play he steps out of bounds barely mm-hmm. and if he doesn't he scores yeah. easily he walks into the end zone and so and you know obviously we know what happens after after this is you know the the Albert O turnover so if, if Tyler Beatty scores on that play it's Seven zero Missouri. So yeah, and this next part never happens exactly because shortly after that, um, there was a pass completed to Alberto. He was stripped of the ball. In my opinion, he was stripped of the ball after um, his forward progress had stopped. Mm-hmm. I think even the announcers commented that they thought his forward progress had stopped. Yep. But uh, anyway, Georgia picked up that ball and returned it for a touchdown, making the interception on their first possession pointless and because now it's 7-0 Georgia yeah I do want to say about that interception uh Christian Holmes I thought I think has played really well in very limited snaps 
Um, and as we have seen with our other cornerbacks, some of them have not played so well in their a lot of snaps. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I'd like to see more Christian Holmes going forward. Obviously, the coaches know way more about the situation than I do, and maybe I don't know all the details, but I think that he has warranted more more playing time for himself. Um, and, yeah, it, just the, the scoop and score, I mean, I just – we're like five minutes into the game and I was already about to like throw up yeah. just from like the swing of emotions. Yeah. I, I, I really couldn't believe that they didn't blow the whistle there. I know it's been harped on a bit already by the time you were listening to this, but so sorry to uh, dredge up bad memories, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know. It seemed very like an easy call to mm-hmm. make on the field. And they couldn't like re- review it for whatever reason, some rule. But I think if you asked those refs and they gave you an honest answer, I think they would say that the play should have been called dead. Right. And, and, and mistakes are made in officiating. That's understandable, but it is frustrating that that's not a play that's reviewable. I feel like I, I just don't quite understand. There are other fumble related plays that are reviewable, even that, that can change the outcome even after a whistle is blown. So like, for example, if a player fumbles, but I forget how it it goes exactly, but there are situations where the whistle blows, the call on the field is one way. And then as long as the, a team recovers the fumble, obviously they clearly recover the fumble. Even after the whistle is blown, they can change that to the other team's possession. I feel like it should be able to work in the opposite direction in this sort of play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would think that as a Mizzou fan, but if somebody made that argument to me in uh, Nebraska versus Michigan, for example, um, I feel like I would feel the same way there as well. Yeah, that was, seemed to be a little bit of an unlucky break for us, definitely, that that couldn't be overturned. So then um, Missouri's next possession, Tucker McCann missed a field goal, and... I don't know what to think about the tick, the kicking game anymore. Um, it seems kind of random at, at times. Mm-hmm. He can make every kick that he's attempted. He yeah. easily has made all the same types of kicks that he's missed this year. Just sometimes he misses them, sometimes he makes them. And yep. just way too inconsistent. And I don't think you're doing anything else there. I mean... I don't know no. what I don't know. I, I, think I was far it was fourth and four. Okay, and it was a forty-one yarder. That's yeah. You got you got to kick it there that early in the game. Yeah, it was only down by seven. Um, from there, Georgia punted. This was a, a nice thing to see. We'll you'll see this quite a few times in the first half. Um, Missouri defense playing well against Georgia, forced a punt here. Missouri was able to drive for their first touchdown. Um, Larry Roundtree punched it in. That's something we'll see a few times here is Missouri driving down the field and punctuating it with a short touchdown run. Um, Georgia answered with a field goal to go up 10-7. And then a very another really unfortunate play happened that was incredibly frustrating because Drew Locke threw a ball right through Jonathan Johnson's hands. It bounced off his chest, went about 15 feet in the air, and was caught for an interception. Yep. This is the this is the part of the game where Mizzou has to be better than Georgia because Georgia's got the athletic um advantage. They probably have a coaching advantage. They've got so many advantages over Mizzou, but but Mizzou needs to have the advantage as far as discipline goes uh to even have a shot at this game. Um but they didn't at all. And this this is one of those plays where 
Uh, I just don't know if, if JJ wasn't expecting the ball or, or what happened, but that kind of stuff just like absolutely cannot happen yeah. in a game like this. Yeah, you're looking at an opportunity to, at worst, go down the field and tie the game. Missouri, for the most part, was able to move the ball fairly well against Georgia. Um, they had it was fairly even as far as both offenses and their um, efficiency and their ability to move the ball in the defense. The two teams were virtually even, so Missouri was going to have opportunities to score. Um, so. You're looking at kicking a field goal to tie or go up 10 to 14 here. So that interception just derails the offense. And at this point with Drew Locke playing really well and seeing a fumble go for a touchdown and now a ball bounce off his receiver's chest for an interception, that has to – I know he's a good leader and a great quarterback, but he's got to be thinking, come on, guys. Like, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a moment where you have to wonder if Drew Locke is like, not, not in that very moment is he thinking this, but after the game is he thinking, you know, I, I just really wish I maybe had some more talent on, on this team, and I wonder what would happen if I went to a more talented program. I think, yeah, I think even more than that, though, he would just think, just really be frustrated at the lack of focus at times. Yeah, And Albert O even says after the game, and he t- he. He's unfortunately had this issue pop up a few times and he's talked about it every time just saying that's on me. I got to yeah. I got to stay focused. I got to hold on to the ball in those situations. And at some point you can't keep saying that over and over again and then still fumble the ball. So, yeah, I could see Drew being frustrated, at the lack of focus at times. Yeah, he was definitely frustrated. Um, and probably rightfully so. Yeah. Um, Georgia then kicked a field goal and then. Um, after a Mizzou punt and then another Georgia missed field goal, um, Missouri attempted to punt, but it did not go well. I That was one of the strangest plays I've seen in a while from uh, this Missouri team because there <laughs> Just was a complete breakdown. I've never seen anything quite like it on a punt, uh, yeah. punt block before where it literally it looked like three guys could have blocked that punt. The guy that ended up doing it blocked it with his helmet. That's... Mm-hmm. It was an outstretched fingertip that got the ball. He kicked it right into his helmet. Yeah. If you watched uh, this game, I mean, there was some definitely some special teams errors. and But if you watch this game just straight up, the offense versus the defense and vice versa, um, you'd think it was a pretty even game. Oh, yeah. But I felt like a lot of the errors came on, you know, special teams and stuff like that. Just some of these bizarre moments. But uh, that... Yeah, there was one of the one of the punt protect guys. There was like three guys there. I can't remember who it, I think was. it was. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say. I think it was Chris Turner yeah. that just let him run right by him. He barely moved out of his set position before the snap. Yeah. And yeah, the guy just, I just ran don't right know past how that him. Happens. I mean, obviously, I don't know how pump. I honestly don't know how pump protection works. Really, the intricacies of it, but. You I see know, a guy barreling down right by you. Part usually of it do is something about stop it. that guy when he's running at the punter. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so that turned into a Georgia touchdown. So we're looking at twenty to seven Georgia, and they have, by my count, three points from their offense so far. So um, the very next possession, Missouri has the ball, and Drew Locke's incomplete pass was. Um, reviewed and then reversed into a fumble um 
I want to say the incomplete pass came on third down anyway, so they were going to be giving the ball back to Georgia regardless. Yeah, it wasn't a huge deal because of that. And it didn't matter even more so because uh, Georgia went for it on fourth and one, their next offensive possession, and they didn't get it. Missouri defense stuffed them, and by this point, the defense has performed incredibly well. Uh, We're looking at the end of the half basically at this point and the defense is literally keeping Missouri in the game and I did not think that was a phrase that we would hear about this Missouri team all season yeah they looked fantastic and Georgia just didn't scare me in this game Mm -mm. like it just looked like the defense was completely in control they Jake Fromm was not really having much success he did later in the game have one nice touchdown pass down the field but their their rushing attack was not as potent as I felt like it's been in the past. And, you know, lost some some big names to the draft, and um, yeah, it just seemed like Mizzou was super focused and and kind of had a lid on on Jake Fromm. He just didn't make a whole lot of throws more than ten yards, and we kind of knew that coming in. And I don't know, just nothing Georgia did in this first half outside of some of these ridiculous freak moments really scared me at all. Yeah, and that, but that was the most frustrating thing about the mistakes that had happened. I mean, if if every time Georgia had the ball, they were just if they were doing like Purdue did and just airing it out and scoring in three plays every time they had the ball, well, obviously the score would be like thirty-five-seven instead of twenty to seven. But at least you'd be like, well, these mistakes really didn't matter because we couldn't stop them anyway. Um, but with these mistakes, it just, or with the, how well the defense was playing, it just compounded the fact that these mistakes were so detrimental. Um, at the end of the first half, Missouri just uh, continued their habit of ending the first half on a terrible note. Um, it seems like between clock management and just execution at the end of halves, uh, in the, at the end of first halves, has been pretty abysmal for a while now I don't really understand it but it seems like a lot of times Missouri's content just to run the clock out which frustrates me as a fan um, and other times they just don't execute when they actually are trying to score at the end of the half so um, coming out of halftime Missouri punted their first possession and then uh, Georgia's offense started to get into gear at this point um, they scored on their first possession to go up 27-7 at that point, I pretty much thought this was looking pretty bad for Missouri. I didn't think the offense would ever quite figure it out, and the defense could only hold Georgia for so long, and looking at 27-7 to 7 right out of halftime, it was looking pretty pretty bad. Yeah, definitely. I felt pretty demoralized at that point. Um, <clears throat> but it was good to see them rebound on the next drive and uh, score a touchdown, and, and Crockett, I thought, looked good. It was good to see Crockett kind of regain some composure a little bit in this game. Yeah, so um, we talked earlier about Roundtree's touchdown. Crockett got got a touchdown on Missouri's next drive. So, And the running game looked really good. And this, I guess, is a good time as any to talk about the two offenses, just looking at the box score, virtually identical as far as stats go. Um, Fromm had three touchdowns to Locke's zero, so that's a big difference. But um, both teams averaged 4.6 yards per carry. Um Georgia ran the ball three more times than Missouri. So equal running games um, from through for 260 yards, Locke through for 221. From was much more efficient than Locke, but both offenses 
did about the same thing. And we, and we talked about that earlier, how these magnified these mistakes, but I just can't believe how even these two teams actually were with Georgia being the number two team in the country. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely encouraging going forward um, for Mizzou's case. Um, if we can get rid of some of these just ridiculous, undisciplined mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, we were hanging right with Georgia this whole game if we do. Yeah, and the, yeah, like you said, seeing Crockett bounce back after basically only playing a few drives in the Purdue game, it seems like they're, the coaching staff, we've kind of talked about it before, they're just willing to ride the hot hand, and whoever is performing that day is going to get the most carries. And so far, every time that happens, they produce for us, so no matter who it is. Um, next up was another just pretty ridiculous play and also just another what-could-have-been situation. Um, from threw a pass to the outside. I can't remember the name of the receiver that uh, AC was covering, but it was a completed catch. AC looked like he had him wrapped up on the sideline. Somehow the receiver got away from him, ran for a touchdown, and... Honestly, I didn't. I had probably looked away from the TV by this time because he was running all by himself into the end zone. But he dropped the ball. If not right before, then as he was crossing the end zone or crossing the yeah the the line there. So um, I think it was Christian Holmes that kind of had uh, the idea to pick up the ball, and he actually ran the other direction for a touchdown mm-hmm. uh, for what would have been a touchdown. Yeah, so <clears throat> let's start from the beginning of this play. Uh, AC, you know, it's it's a crazy catch by the receiver. Yeah. It's a fantastic really throw good and play. catch. Yeah. Uh, but AC did a fairly nice job, you know, kind of covering him up. And, and it seemed fine. like he, he wrapped him up. But I don't know if he just thought he went out of bounds or was going to go out of bounds, but he just very blatantly just lets go of That's everything. That's the only thing I could think, that he thought that they were – out of bounds yeah and that if he brought him to the ground that there could be a yeah. penalty for unnecessary roughness or something backed right off of him yeah so uh he wasn't out of bounds <laughs> he wasn't out of bounds he he runs to the goal line yeah I, same thing i think i probably just looked away and, and then then i see everybody kind of like you know getting together and the refs are talking and then they start to show the replay and i start to get really excited because this is going to be a 14 point swing yeah if if this thing gets overturned and the first time they showed the replay it is incredibly close it's very close uh and and t- i mean to the ref's credit with the angles they were provided i'm not sure that i could overturn that play either mm-hmm. uh if we have some kind of pylon cam or something then maybe they're able to make a, a better call and and seeing some screenshots after the game it does certainly look like the ball gets dropped before it crosses the goal line yeah the screenshot is made the difference to me because like you said the angles weren't good and just from the replays you probably can't overturn that because they called it a touchdown on the field but i showed um, producer Cameron, the screenshot of him letting go of the ball. And it was pretty clearly in front of the goal line. And he was like, wait, they called that a touchdown? I was like, yeah. Yeah. They didn't reverse it? No. Yeah. It's it's so frustrating knowing how big of a play that would have been. Um, props to Christian Holmes for picking that ball up just in case. Yeah. Because um, I know that if somehow that play does get overturned, that's – that's just like the most memorable part of that game probably because I think Mizzou, well, assuming that they do give Christian Holmes the touchdown, credit for the touchdown, Mizzou takes a one-point lead there, don't they? Yep. It goes from the what actually happened. Um, 
Georgia going up 33 to 14, it would have been 28-27 Missouri if they take Georgia's touchdown off the board and give uh, Christian Holmes the touchdown. Actually, I think they would have been still down by a touchdown. Uh, yeah. 14 plus 7 is 21. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, still a, a massively monumental swing. Tw- it would have been 27-21. Yeah. Sorry, I wrote that wrong in the notes. But either way, um, it's a huge swing, and it's so demoralizing because I even re- I even remember seeing Barry Odom like kind of crack a smile like before they had kind of made their ruling on this play because it certainly looked like the crowd was freaking out. I think that's actually what maybe alerted their officials to it first was the crowd like watched the replay and like there was just like this oh yeah. like, all, like all of a sudden everybody was like freaking out about it. So it it kind of seemed like for a second there it might. You know, we might have some momentum going in our favor. And that was another thing that kind of was reoccurring to me at watching the game was the seemed like there was a lot of these strange replay plays going on um, with the Drew Locks incomplete pass turned into a fumble. There was a um, there was a back there was a play that they reviewed because they thought it might be a backwards pass um, that I think they called a fumble on the yeah. field. And it honestly seemed like the referees were just sort of taking the player's cue of how to call a play. Because if the players all reacted as if they thought the ball was live, the refs kind of just went with that. Kind of bought into it. And called it that way on the field and then reviewed it. I honestly wonder, or I, I really think this, and I wonder what would have happened if, let's say the guy drops the ball and all the Georgia players freak out and run over to it but Christian Holmes gets it first. Maybe he's tackled at the five-yard line or something, but if every player reacted as if it was a live ball, mm-hmm. I really think the refs would have acted like it was a live ball as well. Yeah, that's a good point and would be really interesting to know the answer to because I, th- I think you're right, and I, I kind of felt the same way. It just I felt like they were kind of buying into uh, to uh, these reactions and, and mm-hmm. acting and stuff that all the players were doing a yeah. lot more than your typical refs might do. Yeah. So after that really unfortunate play, the teams traded punts, and this is where that that play is magnified because Missouri's next drive ends in a Tyler Beatty short touchdown run. And uh, so we've gotten a touchdown run from each of the running backs so far. They complete a really nice two-point conversion to Albert O. um, And at this point, Georgia is up 33-22. to So this is where that 14-point swing would really make a huge difference. Yeah, because now the game would be tied 30-30. So, um, looking at that, that was another really good drive that the offense was putting together. Um, I really liked the throw and catch to Alberto in the in the back of the end zone for the two point conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, he just all seemed game, like a lot of effort for two points, but it was a great play. <laughs> yeah, but he stepped up in a pretty big way, except for that um, monumentous fumble because uh, we haven't even mentioned him yet, but. Emmanuel Hall had, was held to zero catches for zero yards, obviously. But he, the announcers were talking about it. It sure seemed like something was up with him, that he was still injured from the injury that he um, had in the Purdue game. So he was nowhere to be found. And that was um, our concern coming out of Purdue was, uh, are we so reliant on Emmanuel Hall that if he goes down, our offense can't move? Right. And we kind of saw that a little bit. But to your I point, th- though, about Albert O., he stepped up big time. Yeah, he, he had I think eight or nine catches for ninety yards or so. 
and uh, the running backs stepped up and did their thing. So um, after that, uh, Georgia scored again to go up 40 to 22, and then um, Mizzou answered right back with a touchdown run of from Drew Locke. Um, we've talked about it every time, every game so far. That's going to be there uh, at least once or twice a game. So the score at that point was 40 to 29 Georgia. Um, it didn't really change much from there. Missouri turned the ball over on downs twice. One of those was four straight incompletions from Drew Locke. And uh, Georgia made a field goal to go up 43 to 29. That was the final score. And I do want to mention a uh, shout out to you, Kyle, because you predicted a score of 41 27. Wish so, I was wrong. I wish I missed it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, only wrong by two points on each, uh, each team. So that was a very close guess. But, Should have gone to Vegas. Yeah. Um, so Missouri is now 3 and 1. They have a bye this week. And. If it weren't for the fact that these teams were so even, it seemed like uh, I would have been over this game a long time ago and thought, hey, three and one, that's exactly where we thought we'd be. That's where we would have wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Yeah, Let's get I, ready. For I South do think Carolina. everything's fine. I, I'm encouraged by Mizzou's defense. I'm encouraged by Mizzou's offense uh, going forward. I think that there were some, some weird things with Emmanuel Hall being hurt and. Perfect time for a bye week for me. Perfect time for a bye week. I I don't think it could have come at a better time. So, so thank goodness for the bye week. Even though it kind of sucks that we can't watch football this weekend or watch Mizzou this weekend, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit sad about that. But Mm -hmm. um, it's it's definitely for the benefit of the team. Um, So, I I think we're fine. Um, It hurts to know how close we were, like you said, and with some of those things going our way. Probably being Drew Locke's last chance at a top five victory. Right. Kind of a marquee win at home, definitely. Um, I don't even think we're considering the Alabama game much of a a chance at this point. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right that this was kind of like his last chance for a a big marquee program-changing win. He could still have an incredible season, even by wins standpoint. I mean, just... If yeah. you if he if this team goes out and makes the Alabama game the only loss for the rest of the season, finishes with ten wins, that would be so fantastic. That mm-hmm. would just I mean, that would put him right up there at the top of anybody's quarterback Mizzou quarterback list. That would be Yeah. I definitely think ten and two is is still very reasonable at this point. And I think if it does happen, uh Drew Locke is you know, well remembered and rides off into the sunset for for his NFL draft um, experience. So yeah, I certainly think that's the goal, and um, it's certainly reasonable to hope to hope for ten and two still. Yeah, well, let's let's look a little bit at the schedule here um, for the remaining games for Missouri. So obviously, the next game after the bye week is a road game at South Carolina. Um, South Carolina has looked really good, much to my dismay. I picked them to not do very well this season. Um, but they're looking just as good as anybody um, thought they would. Obviously, Alabama, we're chalking that up as a loss. Um, Memphis at home for homecoming, really need to win that game um, because that stretch, basically sandwiched, sandwiching the Memphis game is obviously a projected loss at Alabama and then what's going to be a really tough home game against Kentucky um, they have looked really good so far. And then um, finishing up at Florida, at home against Vanderbilt, at Tennessee, and at home against Arkansas. Some of those those last three, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Arkansas, 
projecting wins on all three of those. Two of those teams have looked terrible. So you're looking at what should be four wins mm-hmm. if you count the Memphis the Memphis game. Yep. Uh, Two toss ups and then Alabama. Pretty much. And yeah, you mentioned Kentucky looking really good. Um, they pulled off a borderline shocking upset over Mississippi State this past weekend and Yeah, just by because of how easy they made it look. Yeah, like twenty eight to seven mm-hmm. or something. So um that's a more difficult game than I think we thought. Um I'm hoping that <clears throat> in the process of dismantling Mississippi State, they kind of left the blueprint for uh, how to beat them potentially maybe so maybe teams will kind of start to figure Kentucky out because I they've got like a Heisman level player in Benny Snell and mm-hmm. their running back and after that I'm not sure that I could name a single player on their team yeah and I would have to look at sort of how Mississippi State has played against good running backs because we know Missouri has played f- fairly well against good running backs right I mean if anybody was going to carve them up I think that Georgia would have easily yeah yeah, I think so. You're probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but I I do think that's every game on the schedule besides Alabama is very winnable and should, yeah. we should expect to win. Yeah, so I think a floor of eight wins this season is not unreasonable. I think so too. Okay, well, we'll move on to what's quickly becoming one of my favorite segments, SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. Are we actually tied after this? It, I thought I sucked this past week. Well... Yeah, we're still tied 8-8, eight eight, so we've each had four points uh, in both of the rounds that we've That's done good. this. That's um, good. I definitely thought that you had a lead on me. So if anybody doesn't know, we get we just pick a few SEC games, and then we also pick the Nebraska game um, on behalf of producer Cameron. And we get one point if we pick the game correctly. We get two points if we correctly predict an upset. Um, last week we traded misses on home upset picks because Kyle picked Tennessee and I picked Vanderbilt. Both those teams lost. We both missed on the Kentucky upset of Mississippi state. And then we both got the favorites, Michigan, Alabama, and Auburn. Correct. Who did, uh, Vanderbilt play? Vanderbilt played South Carolina. Okay. That's right. Yeah. I kind of went with a bold pick of Tennessee over Georgia and, uh, Tennessee over just as horrible as. Yeah, ten- I picked Tennessee, yeah. and, well, they're just as bad as everyone thought they'd be. Yeah. So, And I didn't want to admit that South Carolina was good, so I picked Vanderbilt, and South Carolina is pretty good. So we'll start off with the Nebraska game, which is actually pretty interesting for Mizzou fans because they play host to Purdue, and Purdue is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So I think, I think Purdue looked. We know what's going to happen in this one. Purdue looked good against Mizzou. They looked good against Boston College, who was a top like top twenty five team last yep. week. They beat him like thirty to three. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that might have just been Boston College overlooking that game and getting shell shocked a little bit. But I think Purdue's found its quarterback, and I, th- I think they've kind of found their stride a little bit, and they're going to dismantle Nebraska. Yeah, this is not even going to be close. I I mean. Put all your money on Purdue minus I've three. I've gone against half. Nebraska every, every week and it hasn't let me down yet. So sorry, producer Cameron, but that's going pretty good for me. I can't really blame you. Do you so, have any yeah. analysis for us? Uh, no, I didn't watch the game last week because I didn't want to have a crappy Saturday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kept tabs on it. They got beat by the Fighting Harbaugh's. Fighting Khakis. Yeah. Um, we talked about it last week. I don't even like Michigan. I don't like, I don't think they're that good, but. I would have probably picked Nebraska to cover, but they did not do that. 
Um, one thing I forgot to mention, we're not going to pick this game, but I just wanted to mention the fact that Alabama is a 48 and a half point favorite over Louisiana Lafayette. And I don't know if I've ever seen a line like that. I don't think I have. That is enormous. And I still might pick the, uh, I still might pick Alabama to cover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not going to pick any of those SEC uh, non-conference games, but uh, the first SEC game that we'll pick is Arkansas on the road at Texas A&M. A&M is a 21 point favorite against Arkansas. Yeah. Easy pick A&M here. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be another easy one. Tennessee on the road at Georgia. Georgia, a 30-point favorite. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Georgia here. Yeah, I don't see myself picking Arkansas or Tennessee very much this season. Nope. This one's really interesting, though. Florida versus yeah. at Mississippi State. Right, yeah. Mississippi State still, even after their upset loss to uh, Kentucky, is a 7.5-point favorite in what we can all call the Dan Mullen Bowl. Dan Mullen. It's so ironic they play each other this yeah. year. Dan Mullen with Florida playing his former team in Mississippi State. It's at Mississippi State. Florida looked good against uh, Tennessee, but I think anybody would look good against Tennessee. I think I want those two points, and I've been riding Florida as a team to beat behind Georgia this season. I'm going to pick Dan Mullen and Florida to upset Ooh, his former team. Wow. That's bold. Oh yeah, <laughs> I admire your uh, your pick there. Because well, we I have a lot writing on this. We know. As I'm we know, so. exactly right, yeah. and I'm glad you picked it because I think you're wrong. Ooh. And I'm gonna pick Mississippi State. I think they rebound this week. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, next up, another really close game. It's basically a toss up, but uh, we're gonna consider Kentucky the favorite. Um, so is it fair to get two points for picking South Carolina to win this and then them winning? I don't know. Like a one point. Pretty underdog. Should we? Should that just be a one point? What, what game, should no be like what? the like the threshold of what's a two point uh, underdog? Or, I don't know. I think. I don't know. We might, you just uh, go with the rule, and this is one of the games. Yeah. Like maybe you take a chance. Just not even take a chance. You just pick them because you might get two points. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we're gonna create some gray area if we, sure, if we change the rules. So there, so, um, still the best rule. Yeah, I'm just going with the line that ESPN gave me on the, my ESPN app, mm-hmm. and I looked at all. Which of still these. might even change before the game. Yeah, and I looked at all of these at the same time. So we're gonna consider Kentucky a one point favorite because that's what ESPN said. So South Carolina on the road at Kentucky. This is too good of an opportunity for me <laughs> to pick an upset. So I'm gonna keep riding South Carolina, and I genuinely think they win this game. Uh, outside of our little game, so. Hmm. Well, I think just for the sake of our game, our pickums, I'm gonna pick South Carolina as well, just in case they win. If they lose, we lose together. I can't afford to you get two for you to get two points there and me get zero. And then last up, a uh, SEC West matchup between Ole Miss and LSU. LSU, the home favorite by 10.5 points. LSU for me, please. I will do the same. I'll have what he's having. And um, I really hope that LSU is undefeated going into their game against Alabama because when I was kind of looking at the SEC before the season started, I thought, that could be that could be the the biggest challenge for mm-hmm. 
for Alabama. Yeah, just as a college fan, uh, football fan in general, it's it's a fun rivalry is LSU and Alabama. And LSU being ranked fifth right now. I mean, you're looking at a t- a two top five teams playing each other a little bit later in the season. So yeah. that'd be really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Producer Cameron, uh, Missouri Sports Podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything writing on this? Uh, you made a little, you made a little comment, but I couldn't remember if we decided. So far, it's pride, and that's all. Well, maybe we should think about a wager and <laughs> figure out a way to sweeten the pot. Oh, certainly. Okay, listeners, tweet at us how we should sweeten the pot. Yep, okay. What is the uh, what is the winner? Or what does the loser have to do? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not getting a tattoo. Sorry. Yeah. But anything else? Whatever they think. What if it was of Conzo Martin's face? <laughs> I might your, consider that. On your high <laughs> knee. Nice. I would definitely consider that. <laughs> All right. So listeners, tweet at us if you have any ideas. If there's any good ones, we, we will consider them. But uh, we did all our picks. I don't have anything else for them. So, yeah, tweet us your idea for what the loser has to do. But that's all I have for this week. Send all your good vibes to uh, EJ Liddell situation. Yeah, don't tweet directly at him because that's not very cool. Unless you have a, a fan account, then I guess do whatever you want. But Yeah, maybe like... Just just like just his Maybe just like give him a little nice M-I-Z or something. Yeah. But don't like trash the other schools. It's not yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay classy. So uh, we'll be right back here next week. Um, hopefully we've got some good news for you from the EJ Liddell commitment. And then um, we'll preview the big matchup against South Carolina. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can tweet us, tweet at us at Mizzou. <laughs> I'll start over. I'll start that one over. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can tweet us at Missouri Sports one and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert08. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Go Purdue.